And so the law, or the Ten Commandments, has a very vital role and work to do to be the handmaid of the gospel to bring sinners to faith in the Lord Jesus. Now, while the law cannot save, nor can the law wash away sins, nor can the law change hearts, yet it is vital to reveal our need of a Savior. Now, the danger and the difficulty is that many people make a Savior out of the law, and they think that the Ten Commandments can be a passport to heaven. Welcome again to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Gallagher, and I trust that today again the Lord will draw near, minister to your heart especially as we come to the message today from the pulpit of our Free Presbyterian Church here in Cloverdale. And today we're looking at Galatians 3, the function of the law as a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. There is a leaven of Phariseeism in every child of Adam, an attempt to justify ourselves by our own good works or righteousness, uh, that we are self-sufficient, and that we can do it alone. The gospel must cut through that. One of the greatest mistakes that anyone can make is that we can get to heaven by law-keeping, by some loyalty or allegiance to the Ten Commandments as our purpose for living. So stay tuned with us as we come to this message, and I trust you'll open your Bible at Galatians 3, chapter 3, verse 20. The law is our schoolmaster. Thirdly, verse 21 again, the law teaches us to make a difference between law and promise. We're told here that for if there had been a law given which could have given life, Verily, righteousness should have been by the law. The first part of the verse, rather. Is the law then against the promises of God? Is the law opposed to God's promises? No. The law is not opposed to the gift of salvation, the promise of salvation by a Savior. The law doesn't take exception to that, but the law drives you to seek that with all your hearts. Just like that governor, that uh, escort that took the young student from home to the classroom. He ensured that he went, ensured that he got there. And so the work of the law is not against promise, but it is to lead you to the promises and to accept them with all of your heart. The law only drowns men in condemnation. God has thrown a lifeline in giving a promised Savior. The law does not deny that there is a Savior, but it is to bring you and lead you to personal faith and to trust. So tonight, don't be a Pharisee. Don't be a legalist trying to be saved by keeping the law. And don't be deceived into thinking that you can reach God's perfect standard either now or ever in the future. It's hopeless, impossible, it's foolish. 
because the law is not the promise of God. The law also teaches us to desire Christ. That is the work of faith in our hearts. And of course, we feel condemned or shut up to a lost, hopeless condition, and we ask, is there not some way to be saved? And the news comes, yes, God has provided a Savior. And what does the law tell us about this man, Jesus? Yes, the law. What does the law tell us about the man, Jesus? It tells us that he's the perfect man, the man who never sinned. He's the man who is the perfect law keeper, and he kept the law in our place. And this is the man we need, because there was one who never broke the Ten Commandments, never sinned against God. Indeed, he could not sin, because he was God and man in one person. And when the tempter came to the Lord Jesus, as he did so many times, brought him up into that mountain, tempting him, giving him the whole world if he had bowed down and worshiped the devil, and all those ways of temptation. What did the Lord Jesus do? He never gave an inch. He always conquered Satan. He kept the law of God, and he always quoted the law from the book of Deuteronomy. It is written, thou shalt not bow down and worship any other god. And so our Lord Jesus conquered temptation, conquered sin. He was able to say to his enemies, which of you convinceth me of sin? And the law agrees. The law says that Christ is righteous. He's holy. He is the perfect man. And therefore, he is the Savior that you and I need, the one who has kept the law in every detail. He's also a suffering Savior to cancel the law. In Galatians 4.4, we're right here in this book of Galatians, chapter 4, verse 4, it says, When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law. And so there is a law at work here. It is the law being satisfied by the death, the redeeming work of the Lord Jesus, so that all the accusations of the law are silenced. The law is pacified and can no longer bring charges of guilt against Christ and his people. Romans 8, who shall lay any charge to God's elect? It is Christ that died, because he has satisfied the law. And I wish that tonight you felt your need of the Lord Jesus. You're not a Christian. You're not saved. You are under the weight, the condemnation of the Ten Commandments that's crushing you. And if you're not saved, you will go to hell. You will lose your soul in eternal torments. And the law will not be your friend. The law will accuse you for all eternity, condemned, condemned, condemned. And you need to come to the Savior who answers that law and will save your soul. 
Now, you don't need Moses. Moses was the lawgiver. And you don't need prophets. The prophets, they preached and proclaimed the holiness of God. Nor do you need Paul the apostle. He is the one who has written, given us much of the New Testament. Here in Galatians 3.24, the law is our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ that ye might be justified by faith. That's your hope. That's your way out. That's your way to heaven. That's your way of life. Now, I want you to notice the word bring in Galatians 3.24, the word bring. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. I researched that word and discovered that it should be in italics. It's not actually in the Greek language. But it is necessary to give us a, a good translation because, as I described, the work of the governor, conductor of the student, the slave who was charged by the father to make sure the, the student got to the classroom, he was to bring him. And so you could probably see him walking ahead and he would be doing his duty well, and the boy had better keep up. And it was his work to bring him right into the classroom, in a sense, going before him. What does the law do to us? It will not give us peace until we're in Christ. It will not leave us alone. It will not cease from its duty until we come right into the classroom under the grace of and the gospel of the Lord Jesus. And the law is very tough. The law pronounces guilt. The wages of sin is death. And the law pronounces that all sinners must be cast into the lake of fire. The law has the authority to punish, just as that tutor had the authority to punish. The law pronounces that all sinners will be cast out. Revelation 1.28, but the fearful and unbelieving, and abominable, and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake of which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now, the law is screaming at you tonight, and the law is terrorizing your heart, because the law brings no peace, brings no rest to you. And in this way, the law is the handmaid, the worker, to bring you to Christ, to give you no peace and rest until you come to the Savior. The proud sinner hears the thundering of the law of God, and it works such conviction and such a weight of condemnation. And when those ten fingers of the law are pointing right at you and giving you no rest, there's only one refuge that you can find rest. That is at the cross when you come as a sinner to Jesus. Now, this comes very personal to me because I can remember the summer that I was under the preaching of the gospel, but not yet a Christian. And I have told from this pulpit a number of times, on a Sunday, going to my sister's bedroom. Now, my sister was six years younger than me, she was attending a Sunday school class, and she was learning from the shorter catechism, the one that our young people in church are supposed to be learning from. I hope they are. 
And I went to her bedroom looking for that shorter catechism with one thing in mind. I wanted to read the Ten Commandments. I was so unlearned in the Bible, I didn't know where to find them in the Bible. It's Exodus 20, by the way. I had no idea where to go in the Bible, because I knew I could find them in the catechism. And so I would flick through that, and on a Sunday afternoon, without any prompting, without anyone suggesting this to me, I brought myself under the tutelage of the law. I, well, the Spirit of God prompted me. I'm not going to boast it was me, 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 but it was the Lord burdening my heart. I wanted to know. And when I went to the law, of course, that didn't close, bring closure, didn't bring peace to my heart. It only condemned me and enhanced and enlarged and motivated me to find a Savior. And I pray tonight that you will not take any rest because you have either Bible knowledge or law knowledge or think that you're walking the clean side of the road or that you're doing well at keeping the law. The law can only do one thing, and that is bring you to Christ. Let me ask you, has it? Has that happened in your life? Have you abandoned any hope of saving your soul by keeping the law? And have you come to the cross, to the blood and death of the Lord Jesus, and saying, that's the Savior I need? who has canceled the law and redeemed me from its curse. That's the gospel that you need tonight. One last thing. The law teaches us to trust in Christ for justification. At the end of verse 24, it says that we might be justified by faith. When the sinner's soul is flushed out, of the false trenches seeking refuge under the law, and you're driven to the cross, what does faith see? What does faith lay hold upon? Well, faith sees a suffering Savior. You see the wounds of the Lord Jesus, and faith teaches you those wounds were for me because the law could never save me. I was lost and undone, and the Lord Jesus loved me. Faith shows you that Jesus' death was substitutionary, that he took your place, your torments, your punishment. He took your desert, what the law cries out against you as guilty. All the guilt, all the shame, all the legality, all the curse of sin was laid on the Lord Jesus, and he took your sin in your place. Faith sees that. Faith also rests in the sufficiency of that death. It's enough. It's enough. It's all that's required. God the Father asks no more. The Lord Jesus will never need to repeat his one sacrifice at Calvary. It's enough for the Father, it's enough for the Son, and it's enough for me. Can you say that tonight? I'm challenging you. I'm, I'm calling on you with all my heart to face up to this. 
Can you say that what Jesus did on that cross is enough for me to save my soul? It's all that I ever need. And the payment that Jesus made on that cross justifies. That's what Paul says here, that you might be justified by faith. And justified means just as if you had never sinned. And that silences the law. What has the law now to say? You are justified just as if you'd never sinned. You're innocent. You are declared not only pardoned from sin, but sinless. What amazing reality this is, to be sinless in the sight of God through the justifying power of the Lord Jesus. He's almighty to save. He is all-powerful to give you a perfect standing before God. Now, is that enough for you? Are you saying, but I need to go back and keep some of the Ten Commandments now? Ah, that's, that's where many get deceived. They want Christ plus the Ten Commandments. They want Christ plus law works righteousness. No. If you believe in being justified by faith, it's done. Justified. It's over. You are pardoned. You are declared righteous in the sight of God. Now, some people think of salvation on the terms of love and not of law. And their idea of the gospel that it's all love, and a God of love could never destroy a soul in hell. And we've heard that argument over and over and over and over. But no, we're not just dealing with love. We're dealing with law here. God is righteous. God is law himself. God is holy. And his righteous character demands that the law must be satisfied and settled. And for that, he designed the cross. And the law teaches us our need of a Savior who fulfills all righteousness. Now, you need that tonight. And I don't want you to leave this meeting and go home in your own rags of sin. I don't want you to go home and say, I better start working at the Ten Commandments. I start better being a better person. I start to clean up my act and do things differently. Stop my foul language. Stop my bad attitude. Stop being a worldly, carnal, careless person. I've got to change my life. Let me tell you, that is trying to be your own Savior. You cannot save yourself. You need the Lord Jesus. He's the only one who can cancel the guilt, set you free, and give you the power to live a new life. And then the law takes on a new position. It's now the teach me how to please my heavenly Father, how to enjoy the salvation I have, how to glorify God as a Christian. That now becomes the rule, the rule of the law in the Christian's life. But as to salvation, don't be a Pharisee. Don't be a legalist. Be a Christian. Be a gospel lover and give your heart to trust in the Lord Jesus. Let's unite in prayer a moment, please. Father, we come to thee tonight thanking thee for the great liberty that the gospel gives us and for what our Lord Jesus has done to save us from the condemnation of the law. Lord, I pray for your people that you will ever keep us from going back to bring ourselves under the condemnation of the law that we will ever run to the cross, that we will look to the sufficiency of Jesus' death. And Lord, we pray that you will 
work this in every heart. For some soul that's not saved here tonight, Lord, save them. Bring that person to trusting in the Lord Jesus. May they come willingly, come gladly, come running to find life and hope in the Lord Jesus. Bless us now as we sing this closing hymn. Give us the spirit of praise as we worship Thee. So much I need His power to keep His hand to lead Oh, tell me more Of Him I love Until I see His face above Tell me more of Christ my Savior On this glad theme dwell o'er and o'er His boundless grace, His saving favor His precious name, oh tell me Thank you for joining with us here on Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. And this issue of the law is really a pastoral issue. It is a matter of the heart. And as your heart, so shall your soul be. And I trust that today that you will not be putting your faith in the rigors of the law, but rather in the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to give you a few quotes today of Mr. Spurgeon on this whole matter of the law of God versus the gospel. And he says, imagine a case some young men are about to go to sea where I foresee that they will meet with a storm. Suppose you put me in a position where I may cause a tempest before the other shall arise. By the time the natural storm comes on, those young men will be a long way out to, at sea and they will be wrecked and ruined before they can put back and be safe. But what do I? When they are just in the mouth of the river, I send a storm, putting them in the greatest danger and hastening them ashore, 
so that they are saved. Thus did God. He sends a law which shows them the roughness of the journey. The tempest of law compels them to put back to the harbor of free grace and saves them from a terrible destruction. The law never came to save men. It came on purpose to make the evidence complete that salvation by works is impossible, and thus to drive the elect of God to rely wholly on the finished salvation of the gospel. And that puts it well. We need to preach the law that men may be warned, but we also need to preach the cross that men may be pardoned and redeemed from their sins. Mr. Spurgeon went on to say that the heart is like a dark cellar full of lizards, cockroaches, beetles, and all kinds of reptiles and insects, which in the dark we see not, but the law takes down the shutters and lets in the light, and we see the evil. In another case, he says, the law stirs the mud at the bottom of the pool and proves how foul the waters are. The law compels the man to see that sin dwells in him and that it is a powerful tyrant over his nature. All this is with a view to his cure. God be thanked when the law so works as to take off the sinner from all confidence in himself. To make the leper confess that he is incurable is going a great way toward compelling him to go to that divine Savior who alone is able to heal him. This is the whole end of the law toward men whom God will save. And of course, this is the whole reason why we preach the Ten Commandments. We're talking about the law where the, the, the Ten Commandments is the summary. Thou shalt have no other gods. Uh, God will not tolerate idolatry, nor will he uh, tolerate graven images and those things that men bow down to made by their own hands. All of this brings the wrath of God upon men's disobedience. And, of course, it goes on to keeping God's name holy. It goes on to keeping the Sabbath day, to honoring our father and mother, and respecting superiors in life. All of this is involved when we talk about the law of God. And these laws con condemn. They tell us that we have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and that we need to be pardoned from sin. We need our black hearts made white by the blood of the Lamb. And, and so I trust that you will trust the Lord. Look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Put your hope not in man's ability to keep the law, but rather confess that the law is broken and that you need to be saved, and that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is the Savior whom God has sent for you. Put your trust in him, and he will save you now. You're listening to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher, and I truly thank you for joining with us on the program today. And we certainly need another Reformation in Canada. So keep listening. And each week at this time on this station, we'll be here to bring the message of the gospel. We need every listener not only to be built up in the gospel, but to stand with us 
and to go forth with the gospel. We can send you gospel leaflets, which you can distribute to your friends and family. You can be a missionary in your own community. Now, for all the information about our church ministry and our radio broadcast, go to ltbs.ca. You'll even there be able to download copies of these leaflets. You can print them out, copy them, distribute them, or if you'd like us to send you hard copies in the mail, just send me an email. This is Pastor Ian Golliher at ltbsradio at gmail.com. That's my email, ltbsradio at gmail.com, or call me at 604-897-2040. Our heart's desire is to get the gospel across this nation. Souls are perishing. The gospel of our Lord Jesus is still the power of God unto salvation. And I trust that you will stand with us, that you will support us, that you will be an encourager as week by week, Sundays and Monday to Friday in some areas, we let the Bible speak. Thank you for being a part of the program today. Join us again on this station at this time next week.